Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. We have a special edition today. Um, I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Aaron Goldfarb. How's it going? It's going well over here, and I would assume over there as well. I know you guys, uh, how's the weather been in New York? Better than, better than it's been? Seems like spring is, is officially upon you guys. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a freelance writer, so I never leave my house, but it, uh, <laughs> the 10 minutes I was outside getting a coffee today, it seemed like a beautiful day, as, as always. Not bad, not bad. Uh, so, yeah, the reason for the switch up this week, and uh, Dan will be joining us for a podcast later in the week, is that uh, Aaron and I did an article last year uh, entitled Drinking the NCAA Tournament Bracket, and we decided to do it again, despite the fact that Syracuse miraculously made it in, um, and figured, you know... I guess the written word just couldn't capture all of the positive and negative things we had to say, so we figured why not hop on a podcast and then chat about everything, because that's exactly what all of you want, to hear us talk about beer for 30 minutes or more. And I always love a way to further promote myself, so hopefully. Yeah, sure. Actually, while we're here, why don't you... Aaron, what have you been working on? What do you want to plug before we jump in? Well, I think the reason I'm here is I write a lot about beer for websites like Esquire and... The Daily Beast, First We Feast, Punch, uh, but I'm also a novelist in my more, you know, prestigious life. Uh, <laughs> my most recent books were The Guide for a Single Man and The Guide for a Single Woman, two uh, different novels, and uh, a special double edition came out uh, two weeks ago, which is pretty cool. You get two novels and one 400-page book. I think it's about 11 bucks on Amazon right now. It's on sale, so pick that up if you enjoy this podcast. Yeah, or even if you don't enjoy the podcast, still pick it up, because that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, we're not getting paid for this, so <laughs> someone should make some loot off this podcast, right? Agreed. Um, all right, so I guess you know everyone's going to be looking at the bracket, hopefully, as they're listening to this, but there were if there's one thing that stood out to you, Aaron, was there a trend? Did you notice that maybe college towns don't always make great beer towns, that southern towns might make really bad beer towns, or... or Maybe there were even some surprising, I know you and I talked about it a little bit, some surprising Northeast cities that just were complete shit at, like, making beer. Well, you know, I think one of the issues, um, and we're not, we didn't invent this concept of doing a beer bracket, but a lot of places that do a beer bracket, they'll just pick a great beer that's, you know, within 200 miles of the college, and we don't do that, you know. If, you know, the, uni- the University of Miami, the U, play in Coral Gables, they don't play in Miami. So we can't take, say, a Cigar City in Tampa like a lot of brackets will do or even a Jay Wakefield's down on Miami Beach. We take the crappy little brewery that's in Coral Gables and we use them. I can't even remember the name of that brewery at the moment because it's not a particularly good one. Titanic. Uh, Titanic, exactly. <laughs> and so a lot of these college towns – you know, that's the entire town. You know, it's almost a town set up just to have a college. So they're not exactly places friendly to craft breweries. But then again, a lot of the bigger cities um, that are making, especially, you know, on the West Coast um, and some spots in the Northeast, uh, do have great breweries uh, associated with the city. Um, And this is a lot better than last year's. We have, I don't know, 20 to 30 great beers in this uh, this uh, bracket this year, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I was I was pretty excited when I started putting the list together just to have Boulder in there and Berkeley and some other just, like, known hotspots, um, you know, to grab. I think last year we were – I mean, last year the bracket turned out fine, um, for those who forgot. Uh, Jester King down in Austin, their uh, HL Rubicite, uh, won the bracket, but – we were really grasping at straws in a lot of these places, and the final four like was really like the four best and the only four that we were really like kind of jazzed about. And, and I feel like in this one, I and mean, we'll get to it, like some of these first round matchups like knocked out some great beers. Like the South bracket, it's it's the toughest bracket in the actual NCAA tournament, and it's definitely the toughest bracket in in, in this one too. Um, I think you and I, you know, again going back and forth, there were at least you know four or five out of the 16 in that region that I was like, shit, like this would be a final four beer in last year's bracket. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. There's probably, there's, well, first of all, there is a final four beer from last year's bracket, tired hands, Paraguzia. I don't even know how to pronounce it, which uh, made the final four last year and is rightfully a first round loser this year 
to uh, Wicked Weed out of North Carolina, who makes a fantastic raspberry sour called Red Angel. Which was just which, released over the weekend. Yeah. I did not get my hands on it yet, but uh, a fantastic beer. Um, the South also has one of my favorite beers, which also came out a week or two ago uh, out of Boulder, Avery's uh, Uncle Jacob Stout, uh, 18 or 19% bourbon barrel-aged stout, you know. Watch one of drink one of those uh, before our game, and you know you won't feel the pain of every Cooney miss. Uh, I'll probably be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I will be at work at nine a.m. So unfortunately, <laughs> at least in the first game, I will be drowning my sorrows in sitting at an, an office. Do you think Don Draper did that during the NCAA tournament in nineteen sixty six? Don Draper was was too busy celebrating with the San Francisco Dons back in the fifties. Yeah, himself into a stupor while hearing it on the radio 12 hours later. Yeah, I think it was tape delayed back then. Fair enough. All right. Want to go through the South a little bit more? We also have uh, a pretty good beer out of Tennessee that I've always felt never gets a lot of credit. Um, Yazoo Sioux. It's not a barrel-aged beer. It's just a solid porter, um, which in today's brewing climate typically... Rare. <laughs> yeah, rare, but it's, you know, it's... I don't think there's a single adjunct in it, but you, you can really see some brewing skill in it. Um, you know, the skill of pulling out vanilla and chocolate flavors just from malts. And I, I really think it's an outstanding beer. If you're in Tennessee or the South, you can find bombers of it for like seven bucks. Uh, we had that advancing to the Sweet 16, which I think's fitting. It lost to Wicked Weed Red Angel. Um, I also wanted to mention in the South brewery i've discovered within the last two months out of philadelphia taking uh temple spot i believe that's uh saint benjamin um really cool brewery uh, i forget what neighborhood it's in philadelphia but it's one of those neighborhoods as your uber driver's taking you there he's going are, are you sure this is where we're <laughs> supposed to be going <laughs> a lot of graffiti a lot of construction mild chance of violence um but then you get there and there's this wonderful brewery beautiful logo uh small staff of about five and they're making uh belgian style beers not necessarily sours which is what we expect from american belgian style beer makers nowadays but a lot of saisons which we picked a saison their liaison saison which is made with a lavender extract which is very nice they have triples and doubles and quads and a lot of cool stuff going on there so if you're in philadelphia i'd advise anyone to start checking their stuff out it's tap only at the moment um and we had them winning their first round matchup but then losing to wicked weed wicked and weed was a buzzsaw they uh not not for the whole bracket spoiler but uh w wicked weed definitely i mean and again in any other year wicked weed w would be sitting in this final four if not for you know one beer in particular sitting on the other side of this bracket yeah, so we might as well get to that, I suppose. Uh, our final four out of the South comes from Cal. It's uh, out of Berkeley. It's the rare barrel map of the sun, uh, apricot, golden sour. Really fantastic. Uh, the rare barrel is one of the breweries for the last year, last year and a half, that really has been blowing me away with everything they do. They exclusively make sour beers, exclusively make barrel-aged beers, um, even if you're a person who says, you know, I don't like sour beers, these aren't necessarily those punishingly tart sour beers, those vinegary sour beers you've maybe had before. They're light. They're very drinkable. Most of them have fruit in them. They're, they're just wonderful. Uh, I'm sure you drink them more than I do, John, being on the uh, West Coast. You'd be surprised, though. They really don't get down here. Uh, NorCal and SoCal do this weird thing where we, like, purposely cut each other out of each other's beer scenes. Like, yeah. Just so you can get the exclusivity of it. So, um, I mean, I have had the Rare Barrel stuff before, um, whether when I've been up there or uh, I was at Stone Sour Fest last year and got to check out uh, Map of the Sun, which was awesome. I mean, that kicked in. Um, that and Cantillon Iris kicked in the first 45 minutes um, of Stone Sour Fest, but I was glad that I got to, got to check out both. I think yeah, you, you kind of characterize them pretty well. I think, well, I love the brewery down in Placentia. Uh, the one thing that, that their sours do is, is punish you, and and very much so. Uh, and that goes for just about all of them, despite how good they are. And I think with Rare Barrel, there's just a, there's an accessibility and a drinkability to them that I, I feel like 
if they ever decide they want to grow more, it could become a great intro to the style um, for a lot of like more casual drinkers who have you know just been wading into IPAs in the last couple of years. And maybe like I, they won't find it, but but that I feel would be a much better entry point for like my wife. She hates sours, but she hates sours because most of the sours I drink are from the brewery. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know anything about their business strategy or, or or where they're headed next, but but I would. I would think that that might not be a bad route for them to go if, if their main goal is growth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think one of the things that, well, first of all, I don't want people to think we're characterizing them as simple beers because they're, you know, entry-level sours, which, you know, we're not damning them with faint praise. They're, they're just, they're more drinkable sours than the punishing sours that come out of, say, Russian River or the brewery is, or Cantillon, as you mentioned. Um, and they're doing adventurous fruit uh, sours. One of my favorites this year from them was called Home Sour Home, which uh, uh, had peaches, I believe pumpkin, vanilla bean. It was supposed to taste like a cobbler, and it was uh, absolutely wonderful. Um, so that is our first final four pick. All right. And then moving down to the west first. Um... Have you corralled your dog yet, by the way? He's, he's, throwing, he's throwing my game off, I think. He's hanging around here. James Arthur is, is is hanging around. Okay. As everyone knows, my dog is named after Jim Beheim. He doesn't know that because he's a dog. I digress. Okay. <laughs> Down to the west. Um, obviously, the 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 one that sticks out right away is last year's champ, uh, Jester King Angel Rubicite comes in at the sixth seed, um, and because I feel like actually this is another region that I felt like there were probably three or four pretty good ones. Um, ultimately, we had to decide on one, um, and Ageful Rubicite, uh, without getting through everything, did manage to get to the Elite Eight before getting knocked out. And I think, you know, we talked about this last year, like, Ageful Rubicite is, is a well-lauded beer. It's one that's really sought after. Um, Jester King stuff does get out of uh, the Southwest region, but um, only to a certain extent. Ageful Rubicite is not one of those beers you're going to find um, distributed out to California or anywhere else. Um, it's pretty local for the most part but um i know i've had it and aaron you have too right yeah i've had it i i want to say they've only made a thousand bottles of it twice so i'm guessing most people listening have not had it but you know what it's i mean it's good it's it's definitely a great sour it it it's one of those i'm not going to say it's it's popular because of a low production but i think that that definitely adds to the mystique around it and and a little bit of the I mean, everyone on Beer Advocate kind of jokes about it all the time, um, for those listeners that aren't on the site ever, uh, that, you know, like the less bottles that are produced, obviously the better it is, <laughs> because that's just how beer works today. And, and I think each Rubicite, well, a very good beer, might have some of that um, as part of its allure, if I had to guess. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I love Jester King. You know, they're the nicest guys in the world. They respond to me when I ask for interviews, so that always gets an overrated, uh, you know, in, in my book. But uh, I think HL Rubicite's about 10% overrated. I actually like a lot of their other beers. I like their flagship st- ship stuff. It's a lot easier to find, um, a lot of their saisons and stuff. Uh, they make some wonderful beers. HL Rubicite, for whatever reasons, become their most famous, their most lauded, their most, you know, beer that everyone wants to find. And it's a tad overrated. Um, and, you know, if University of Texas keeps making this tournament, I don't think we're going to want to have it winning it every single year. So I'm glad it got knocked off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and, and I think, like, when we were talking about it, it was we didn't just knock it off for the sake of it. We, we knocked it off because, because there was a, a, a maybe a better beer, but, but, but a different beer, too. And I think that that was you know, kind of part of the purpose here. I mean, Aaron and I have had a lot of these, but there's plenty we haven't had. And I think just talking about, you know, different beers each year, obviously, like, if the same few schools, like, if Cal made it every year, yeah, the Rare Barrel would probably be in there, and it'd be hard for us to, to vote that one out. Or if some community college in Santa Rosa decided to be in there, and, <laughs> you know, we could suddenly decide to have Russian River in, then, yeah, that one would, would probably move through. Or if something near Three Floyds was a viable collegiate town, then, yeah, that would work, too. But... Alas, not the case. Um, some of the other, at least one of the ones that's in here from last year, uh, Bear Arms Turbulence IPA. 
I don't know the Bear Arms guys. I don't know anything about their operation. It seems <laughs> like it's a pretty small shop. But I will say that the fact that Waco is so, so, so just just empty of, of, of beers is, <laughs> to me, inexcusable given how much that university has managed to grow in the last, like, 10 years. Wasn't Baylor a Christian university or no? Uh, I don't know. Baptist? A Baptist drink, I guess. All right. I'm not making any excuses for them. I mean, Texas didn't have much of a beer scene till recently either. So, you know, with Dallas and Houston – and San Antonio not even really having beer scenes till the last three to five years. I don't think it's that surprising that Waco's not cranking out some of the world's greatest beers. Also, it's hot as hell, which isn't the greatest brewing conditions. Also fair. Um, one other town I wanted to put on blast before we... Cause I'll jump back up <laughs> very, very quickly, because I don't know how I missed this. Um, over the nine seed in the south, and then we'll jump right back to the west... Um, Willimantic VGIPA was the closest <laughs> thing we could find to Yukon, and really there's nothing anywhere near stores. So if, if you want to have a laugh at the Sixth Borough commentary, and I know Syracuse fans do, um, another knock is probably the fact that the closest brewery is 15 miles, and there's only about three within 40 of stores. The funny thing is Connecticut has a fairly emerging beer scene um we're going to mention one in a second that's that's pretty excellent so it's, it's kind of shocking the what richest state in america the second richest state you know um a state school that can sure win a lot of women's championships but they don't have a damn place to to drink a decent ipa within 20 miles pretty ridiculous i would agree so i guess aaron who was and i guess you might as well just give away who won this region and just in general um kind of what were some of your other favorites in here that either got as far as you wanted them to go or, or maybe got knocked out a little too early? Uh, I want to mention three uh, uh, breweries. So first of all, the 10 seed replacing uh, VCU and Richmond is Hardywood, and they're doing some really cool stuff. Uh, their most famous beer is called Gingerbread Stout, and then they do a series of variants on it bourbon barrel-aged gingerbread stout, rum barrel-aged gingerbread stout. Honestly, I think the bourbon, uh, the gingerbread stout just by itself might be the best. It has the most gingerbread flavor, but the bourbon gingerbread stout's an excellent stout in and of itself. That made uh, our Sweet 16, rightfully so. Uh, Richmond's certainly an uh, emerging beer town with quite a few good places. Mekong, one of the most famous bars in America, is there. It's actually a Vietnamese restaurant, I believe, with... Uh, with a uh, bar in it. Uh, also, speaking of Connecticut, we had New England Fuzzy Baby Ducks IPA. This is a really, really limited uh, Citra IPA that comes out of this brewery that never seems to be open. I mean, I live, <laughs> I think I live 70 miles from there. Uh, probably get there about hour and a half via Grand Central, and there's, there's never a fitting time for me to go there. Um, their flagship stuff is fantastic. Gandhi Bot, you've maybe heard of. Uh, they have a few other uh, decent uh, beers that make stores if you're in, in Connecticut. All canned beer. But Fuzzy Baby Ducks is growler only for whatever reason. You know, in a, in a state that would be easy to conquer. Uh, a state where they could easily can Fuzzy Baby Ducks and have the heady topper of Connecticut. They, for whatever reason, refuse to. And the heady topper of Connecticut has become Sip of Sunshine, which is a uh, a Vermont beer that happens to be canned in Connecticut. So, another bonehead decision by the uh, people in charge of business in Connecticut. Nevertheless, Fuzzy Baby Ducks made uh, our Sweet Sixteen and was defeated by another New England IPA, Holy Cross and Worcester's Wormtown Be Hoppy, a uh, a canned IPA that's quite wonderful. Well. Help you get through a, a night stuck in Worcester. Um, I believe it's fairly easy for uh, someone in Worcester, someone passing through to find. I've never had much trouble finding it. Um, my brother-in-law, cousin-in-law, I, I don't even know how he's related to me anymore. He he lives in Worcester and he's given me a lot of uh, Warmtown beers and all their stuff's pretty outstanding. Bee Hoppies, they're... 
their most famous beer. It's it's not quite as famous as the truly famous New England IPAs, you know, the Heady Toppers, Focal Banger, Sip of Sunshines, the Treehouse Juliuses, um, you know, even the stuff going on in New York with Other Half and Grimm. But it's it's as good, in my opinion. It's just not as famous. Um, and it's worth seeking out, and that's who we had making our Final Four from uh, the West Region. Yeah, you know, you brought up a quick tangent. Um what are your thoughts on Treehouse? Because I, admittedly, I've had a bunch of their stuff, um, and I've had it pretty fresh. And I, I, I don't. I, not that I don't think they're good. I just don't get the the fanboyism around them on on beer websites and, and the you know just just ridiculous uh, ratings that that are attached to all of their beers. Because admittedly, like I liked Julius, but I actually liked uh, Curiosity Twenty Three better from them and felt that in general i just think a lot of their stuff is is unfortunately overrated because i think if it were properly rated i'd probably like it more yeah i mean i don't want to be one of those guys that says everyone can make a good ipa nowadays but if you live in a major area there's one guy or two guys making a great new england uh east coast style ipa nowadays and you know if you don't know what we're talking about that's this really thick orange juice type ipa and if you're the kind of person who says, I don't like IPAs, they're too bitter, this new style of IPA is straight fruit juice. It's kind of something that started to annoy me. It's it's kind of turning IPAs into a very simplistic drink. They're delicious, don't get me wrong. Very tropical, very easy to enjoy, but I feel a lot of complexity has been stripped in IPAs for the sake of just you know making them very, very fruity and enjoyable to all. And they're all good, but... You know, name name a city, and I can name, you know, countless guys making great stuff. In New York, where I live, there's Other Half and Grimm. You know, just about every IPA they release is about as good as Treehouse's. Um, but the thing is, you know, you take the subway to Other Half or Grimm. You know, 20 million people live within, I don't know, an hour commute of Other Half. Treehouse is, you know, a 40-minute small uh, road off the highway in between Boston and New York. It's, it's not the easiest place to get. They have terrible hours. They're only open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So, you know, there's a bit of a, a, a triumph of actually scoring scoring the beers. Now, Other Half has lines, too, and, and that's become the same kind of thing. But I, I feel a place like Treehouse, and it's fantastic stuff. If Treehouse was located in philadelphia or manhattan or brooklyn or or boston proper um i think their stuff would be more properly rated i mean i think trillium makes stuff that's as good or better than treehouse and trillium certainly acclaimed but people aren't losing their mind over trillium and you can pretty much drive up to trillium any day you want and and buy their ipas and pale ales and they're fantastic and there's your commentary about the beer industry. I'm sure we're going to have more of that. But yeah, Aaron and I share a lot of, of similar-ish views on a lot of this stuff. Being on opposite coast and seeing the development, I mean, I know Aaron's got to witness New York's growth as a beer scene. I've kind of got to witness L.A.'s growth as a beer scene. Two places that were not really on the map necessarily um, in terms of you know the, the random and, and offbeat outposts that, that used to be uh, most of the hubs. I feel for some of the country's best beer, and now we're seeing again like places like LA, and places like LA, and like New York, and plenty of other cities that that have now been able to kind of you know get to work and, and utilize the the great kind of test kitchens they have at their disposal to to make some great beers, and it, it is it, it is wild. I think still to this day, despite all the availability in major cities, how how all those random outposts, whether it's Toppling Goliath, the Three Floyds, or uh, Treehouse or so many others that you know it's it's the chase is still a very real part of how people view beer. Yeah, I mean, it, you just don't see the urban breweries get the acclaim as the in a town of five thousand people breweries, and you know, I think that's a little silly. Could not agree more. Moving on to the East bracket. Um, this one had a couple good ones. A lot of duds uh, in this bracket. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> There's some questionable beer in this bracket. 
Well, there's just, I mean, well, one, you got Texas, and we, we, we panned this one last year, too, <laughs> is that, you, you know, you, you've got Big Thicket uh, brewing in uh, Nacogdoches, home of Clint Dempsey, and uh, you, the problem is it's nowhere near Stephen F. Austin. Yeah. And, and that's the, the, the unfortunate part here is that, like, Stephen F. Austin, despite having a, a school that I feel like is fairly good at basketball and football and... And everything else, they just they can't get a brewery anywhere near them, and that's unfortunate. Um, Pittsburgh's in here, and I I've always been lukewarm on Pittsburgh's beer scene. Uh, we get our second Cincinnati entry in here um, with Mad Tree. Um, my local favorite, luckily in this bracket, was uh, for USC Highland Park Brewing Company. Uh, raised eyebrows, it's, uh, very mild, similar to the style we were talking about earlier from from Rare Barrel. It's uh, Guava and passion fruit sour. Uh, so, I mean, to me, that was the best beer of, well, one of the, if not the best beer I had last year. Um, it's unfortunate that it ran into another great beer um, in this bracket because I would have happily put them in the final four if, if I could. I wouldn't have necessarily stopped you. Uh, we won't mention who it runs into yet. Or, no, we can. Up, Upland Sour out of um, uh, Indiana. Indianapolis, right? Or no, Bloomington, I'm sorry. Um, I've always been a little lukewarm on Upland Sours. You know, I think, you know, if Rare Barrel makes the sours for beginners that are actually complex, accomplished beers, I think Upland kind of makes the sours for beginners that are, you know, when you start trying better stuff, you go, oh, those were never that great. It is highly regarded. Maybe I haven't had enough of them, but, you know, I've just never been high on them. I don't know what you think. I'm, I mean, I'm a fan. I got them when I was at the Final Four last year. I made sure to grab a couple um, to bring in my bag on the way back. I thought, and like, I, I put Sour Reserve on here because it's so well regarded and I just haven't had it. But I, I loved uh, Malfactor, their, uh, their Flemish Red. And I just felt like that one just hit a, it hit a home run in a way that, like, a lot of people have been trying Flemish Reds, and I feel like it's kind of been hit or miss around the country. Uh, and I just felt like they completely, completely crushed it um, on that front. But again, I, I know different strokes. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that they're they're the most amazing sours I've ever had. Just like you don't think they're the worst either. Yeah, and I suppose there's something to be said for sauntering into a, a city on a busy weekend and being able to find sours at their hottest brewery, which you wouldn't be able to do in most cities in America. No, and they have. I mean, Indianapolis is is, is limited within the city, and then there's a couple. Um, really good, like what look like these, like you know, kind of omnibus liquor stores that you don't really think too much of, and then you walk in, and yep, like there, they've got tons of stuff from Upland, they've got tons of local, they've got most of Three Floyd stuff. Like there's, there's a lot to be had there, um, which again, weird for a city like Indianapolis that overall, like I wasn't like overly like impressed with as a, you know, metropolis, but I, I felt as a as a host for a major event, seemed like it did the job. Good. Because <laughs> they keep bringing events there, so obviously they're doing something right. Yeah, they bring events there because you know the events there. Events can happen in other cities, and they get glossed <laughs> over because lots of things are going on. Uh, like the A-10 tournament, 10 blocks from my house. I did not realize that was going on. Okay, <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, the 7-10 matchup was a good one. Uh, you mentioned Pittsburgh, which you kind of shit on. Uh, um yeah. It's more because I just hate their teams. Yeah, f- admittedly. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and their brewing scene has never been that great. They have a few decent breweries, but they have one somewhat legendary beer that's always been acclaimed and always got more more acclaim than the brewery itself, and that's East End Gratitude, which is uh, a barley wine that comes in this beautiful, like, bagged uh, bottle. Uh, if you Google image search it, you'll. Uh, be impressed it's 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 a really gorgeous beer and it's a it's a fantastic beer um but we had that losing in the first round and i uh i think i agree with that uh that beer lost to out of madison wisconsin funk factory frampairs a funk factory is a, a very cool brewery it's actually just a man his name's actually levi funk not sure if he's uh, a jew like me but uh he he doesn't actually brew beer. He he goes around to several breweries and he buys their wort. Now, wort, W-O-R-T, is unfinished beer. It's unfermented beer. 
And from what I understand, he just has like a trailer hitch. He picks up the wart, he takes it back to his facility, and then he starts aging it in barrels with fruits and stuff and fermenting it and adding wild yeasts and stuff. And he's a, he's a mad scientist, really, um, akin to the great Belgian sour makers like Cantillon and Dry Fontaine and, and doing really cool stuff. If you're listening to this, almost no chance you'll ever try his stuff unless you're really locked in on the beer scene. But hopefully soon it's going to start spreading more because he's, I think he's definitely one of the big guys to watch uh, going forward in the beer industry. And we had him going to the Sweet 16. And, John, you want to talk about the final four pick from this region? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, Aaron had a lot of great things to say about them. I hope I, I know for maybe I'm not the only one. Looking forward to playing. Well, the only reason I'm looking forward to Syracuse playing Wisconsin football is so that I can have an excuse to go to Madison, uh, potentially hop into Funk Factory. Um, but yeah, they're facing. Well, they get knocked out in the Sweet 16 by uh, a beer. A lot, I think a lot of people are, are familiar with, and that might be part of the reason why we we thought it was, it was worth going with on our end. That's uh, Prairie Artisan Ales uh, Bomb, which is their uh, kind of coffee bourbon barrel aged. You know, as we said, everybody's uh, stouts, porters, or, or bourbon barrel aged, or conditioned, or added coffee, or whatever. And um, I feel like Prairie Bonds become one of the more sought after ones around the country, especially um, as Prairie continues to grow their distribution. They're out of Tulsa, um, so for everyone complaining about Tulsa's inclusion <laughs> in the tournament, that ended up resulting in a Final Four bid for us. So, congrats, Golden Hurricane. I wish you had an S in your name. <laughs> Yep. yep. Prairie Bomb um, um, Prairie Bomb's a beer I like and I've come to even, you know, take lightly because it's so easy to find. It's it's a little overpriced. If you live in a major city, you can usually find 12-ounce bottles of it for anywhere from 9 to $15 for a single bottle, which I think is not in the beer budget of most most beer drinkers out there. So I've come to take it somewhat lightly and I was shocked to uh, go on Beer Advocate today. And see, it still gets a 99 out of 100, which which is kind of cool. It has uh, it has over 5,000 reviews, and it's still getting a 99. So I think that's really impressive. It's it's nice to see a, a adjunct laden bourbon barrel aged stout that you know an average Joe, if he lives in a, a major city, can can realistically hope to find. He's not going to have to wait in the line. You know, he's not going to have to call in favors or know any secret handshakes. He can pretty much just go to his best beer store whenever a new batch is released and, you know, drop a $20 bill and get a bottle or two. So I, I think that's fantastic, and I think they're definitely deserving of the Final Four, even if even if the Golden Hurricane probably should not have made the tournament and <laughs> caused Joey Brackets to cry himself to sleep last night. Yeah, I mean... I don't know how he survived getting the brackets wrong. For and this is not even to talk too much shit about Lenardi, but in general, like he's not one of the more accurate people in, in this thing. So I'm not really sure how the uh, how the acclaim and the the I mean, yes, he was one of the original people to, to really kind of, and I think he actually did coin the bracketology term. Um, Cle- clearly, to- didn't trademark it though because everyone <laughs> uses it. <laughs> you can blame ESPN's lawyers for that. Uh, well, I all, I'll tell you what. I I got 65 out of 68 right last night, and I I started at 4:45 after having drank a bomber of saison. So, you know, my, my bracketology was clearly not much worse than his. It was exactly the same, in fact. Moral <laughs> uh, of the story is drink more beer, obviously. Yeah, drink more beer, Joey Brackets. Uh, you have quite a few from Philadelphia in uh, in our little. Uh, bracket here you can pick from all right let's move on to the midwest which is this is a a, trash this is a trash region (laughs) everything about this i mean there's like a couple northeast brewers here that like iron never even heard of (laughs) i'm yeah i'm not gonna lie i have not had quite a few of these um yeah because they're they're not good beers and there'd be no reason to even seek them out uh, I, what do you even want to talk about here? Uh, I want to talk about the fact that, that San Diego State screwed us here by losing to Fresno. And as a result, we couldn't talk about San Diego beer for an extended period of time on this podcast, but instead end up with Fresno beer that loses to Big Bad Baptist in the first round. 
yeah, even that's kind of a cheat. Uh, Epic Big Bag Baptist, which is another one of these uh, bourbon barrel aged chocolate, vanilla, whatever else beers coming out of Salt Lake City for um, uh, Utah. Uh, but they have a beer cap. So what I understand is their over 5% beers aren't even brewed in Salt Lake City. They're brewed in Denver now where they also have a brew pub and a, a bottling facility. So in a way, this was one of our biggest cheats to even include them. I, I'm not even sure what we would have included um, one of the more. went something. <laughs> one of those Mormon beers. Um, but that's what we took. And ep- actually, Epic Big Bad Baptist made it to uh, our Elite Eight. It's a fantastic beer. Um, going And it's a, another one of those beers like Bomb. Um, I see it at every Whole Foods I go to. It's about $11 a Bomber. Totally a shelf turd, as we say in the industry. But it's a fantastic beer. I, I'm not going to lie. I almost never buy it. But, you know, if you're just getting into beer, if you're going, how can I start tasting all these incredible uh, uh, stouts everyone's talking about but you have to line up for, you know, start with a Prairie Bomb or an Epic Big Bad Baptist. And, you know, they're they're 5% worse than anything you have to line up for, if that. They're 1% worse, you know. So uh, seek out that. Um, now I want to jump up a little. Briefly mention Sun King out of uh, Indianapolis. Um I think they're a little underrated. They make uh, all canned beers. They do some cool stuff. Even their sours come in canned bottles, uh, kind of like those Coors Light bottles you get at stadiums so you don't chuck them on the field and hurt people. But uh, they're doing some pretty cool stuff too. Uh, I think their Grapefruit Jungle uh, uh, IPA is a, a pretty solid beer. It doesn't quite get the acclaim it should. Uh, Indianapolis's marketing department needs to start pumping uh, more resources into their beer and less into their stadiums or whatever uh moving down we had to do another slight cheat for iona and we picked captain lawrence who's you know john you you've lived in new york you know you know if you cross the street you're in a new town or hamlet so it's not exactly fair to to pick something from uh wherever the hell iona's from but um uh captain new rochelle oh new rochelle exactly which there wasn't anything there anyway yeah, Captain Lawrence is, you know, a 15-minute car ride away, you know, in your mom's minivan. And uh, uh, they are a great sour maker, too. They were, one of, they were one of the first really great sour makers I remember in America. They've, they've kind of pulled back on being a brewery that was making geek beers, and they're more concerned, I think, with, you know, just dominating Westchester County locals. But, you know, Cuvée de Castleton is... is was one of their first great beers, and it's still a great beer. It's maybe New York State's greatest beer. It's uh, it's a barrel aged sour with uh, grape must and bread and amices in it, and I, it's literally the first beer I ever lined up for in probably two thousand and eight, maybe. I don't know. I don't line up anymore, but I still remember lining up for that one. And we had that. Damn it! I screwed up. I spoiled. We had that in our final four. <laughs> We did, and that's fine. Uh, I guess one last thing we'll mention in this bracket. Uh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the beer, the one beer that there's a, probably a lot of people listening that have probably heard of, and that's Prison City. Um, obviously, the Syracuse representative here in the bracket. Um, I haven't had it because I was a college student with no money the last time I was in Syracuse. Uh, Aaron, you probably have more to say about it than I do. You know, I don't even... You're like 15 years younger than me, John, or 20 or something. I don't even know, but I don't even think prison. Not that much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think Prison City existed when you were in college. They're they're a year or two old. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I hadn't heard of them either till last summer when I went to the Great American Beer Festival in Denver, and some real grassroots buzz was building for Prison City. Now, if you've never been to the Great American Beer Festival, there's literally 2,000 breweries in a giant convention center that's yeah it's as big as like three superdomes combined so for one brewery you haven't heard of that no one's heard of that even someone who writes about beer from new york state hadn't heard of to start getting such a groundswell of support it was really something i took notice of and i sought them out and they were out of this world. They had brought an apricot Berliner Weiss and a tart cherry sour. And it was as good as anything I had at the Great American Beer Festival. And 
I must add 100 beers at the Great American Beer Festival. So in November, I went up to Auburn to check them out. Um, and they have, a, they have a little brew pub there. They're just brewing in the back in a space that's about as big as, as probably your bedroom. Um, and in the front, it's just a bar. It's got great food. It's got cool stuff going on. And, you know, they're really letting this guy do his work in the back. And he's coming up with some fantastic beer. It's not all sours. Um, but I think the beers that are going to get him acclaim are a series of Berliner Weisses, all all using the same base beer. And then he adds adds various fruits to it, like the apricot, as I mentioned before, kiwi, and the best one I've ever had is a passion fruit uh, uh, sour from them called Crime of Passion. Really cool stuff. They always have about four to ten beers on tap. They have crowlers, if you don't know what that is. That's a, it's a canned version of a growler uh, to go. I don't think they're on tap anywhere else except the brew pub. So highly recommend if you're in CNY or the next time you're visiting CNY, please stop by there. Really doing great stuff. I, I think they're the best brewery uh, in the area at the moment. Very nice. I'll have to the next time I'm on campus, whenever that may be. It's not easy to get there from here. Uh, so that's most of my hesitance. Uh, but yeah, next time I'll be sure to, to stop over there. Uh, Prison City got to our Sweet 16. Uh, they defeated Toxic Safety Third from Dayton and uh, Mayday Evil Octopus. <laughs> uh, which is from Murfreesboro. I actually had that beer the last time I was in Tennessee. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I was surprised. That, like, last year I had a decent amount. This year I actually had almost half, which is just, I guess, goes to show the weird outpost that I end up in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I had that uh, at this bar in Nashville. Um, and it, it wasn't bad. Uh, definitely better than, I don't understand how Michigan State is a bad beer scene, but they do. Like, Michigan is a great beer scene, and somehow, like, East Lansing just does not in any way shape or form yeah yeah they should fix that yeah or you can you know go to grand rapids oh yeah or you could just go to grand rapids <laughs> probably the better alternative the better alternative so getting to our final four um for those who were not keeping track uh we got rare barrel map of the sun and they are facing off with wormtown be hoppy and on the other side you got prairie bomb up against uh, Captain Lawrence. So, Aaron, what was kind of... I mean, we'll just give it away. Rare Barrel beat Prairie Bomb in the final. Aaron, what is it about... If we haven't covered it already, what was it about Rare Barrel that really kind of differentiated? You know, the, the final four kind of becomes like, what do you like? Do you like hoppy? Do you like boozy and malty? Or do you like sour? I like all of those, but... Uh, you know, I just... The Rare Barrel has just really seduced me in the last 18 months. Um... Whereas Prairie Bomb's fantastic, but tastes like a lot of the other terrific, spicy, chocolatey, vanilla stouts out there. Wormtown Biopi's fantastic, tastes like a lot of the other New England IPAs out there. The Rare Barrel's really you know, just making some sours that uh, I think really di- differentiate themselves from the other sours out there, even California sours. Now, I'm not saying they're making the best sours in America. I don't think they probably are. But... They're making very ambitious ones. They're really growing quickly in terms of their maturity of what they're doing with their barrels. Um, I just think they're they're they really have a good game plan, and I really just like where they're headed. That wasn't that eloquent, but that's why I like them. That's dead on. I mean, you said I was at Sourfest, and and the fact that the the, the two biggest lines formed immediately. Um, and this is again, people know. People should know this at least. Sourfest is not, you know, for the the faint of heart or palate. Or it's if you want to drink sours for four hours at, at Stone, this is what, where you go. And uh, yeah, the, the fact that the two biggest lines form for Cantillon and, and Rare Barrel should tell you all you need to know about the place. And like Aaron said, maybe they're not making the best sours in in, uh, in California, but they're certainly getting the most acclaim for them um, of late. Maybe even usurping um, nearby Russian River which is blasphemy in most circles but you know again if if you're not if you're not into uh the the advanced kind of sours that Russian rivers crafted over a, a long period of time uh you know maybe maybe rare barrels for you first and foremost yeah absolutely um and Russian river is who i consider the best sour maker in america 
Um, they haven't exactly released a new sour in years, which which is fine. Their sours are are the absolute best around, and they don't need to be cranking out a new one every single week to uh, excite the fanboys. But you know, the rare barrel is cranking out one every single week, which gets exciting. Um, they're also blending, which is what makes their beers perhaps a little more palatable to well most people's palates. Whereas Russian River, I think, is is coming out of a lot of of single barrels and not trying to get, um, you know, a more blended, even smooth taste as the rare barrel is. I can see that being the case without being, I mean, I know about beer, but obviously not as, as, as in the weeds in a good way um, as you are. I think that that might be um, at least part of the point there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that kind of covers the bracket. I mean, Aaron, were, were there any other breweries that, that you really wish had made it in here. I mean, obviously there's, there's thousands and thousands of breweries, but <laughs> a- any that maybe just missed the mark or at least the teams that would represent them just missed the mark. Jeez. Jeez. I don't know. Who do, who just missed the mark this year? I mean, most of the great breweries as we discussed are in these little towns that I don't even think have high school basketball team, you know, DeGard and Tillamook, you know, Casey blending and brewing and, what Glenwood Falls, Colorado. I, I don't even think they probably have a post office there. So a lot of the breweries I'm really excited about, I'm I'm not sure they'll ever be in this bracket. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's fair. I mean, my my biggest bitterness is just about San Diego for the most part. Though even then, like, you know, we weren't just going to sit here and talk about Sculpin again. So needed to. Actually, no, I, this time around, I definitely would have focused on something for Modern Times, just because I feel like Modern Times is probably, in, in my mind, at least like the next, they're the next brewery that, that's really going to, and not like in a, okay, they're going to get bought up by someone, is Modern Times is the next brewery from out here that, that everyone's going to know about soon enough. Um, I, I know Aaron, I know I sent you at least one of their their options. And I think in general, like they, they're, they're making the rounds in, in some of the... Uh, some of the beer festivals are starting to expand the distribution uh, to NorCal, to Arizona, to uh, Nevada. It's only a matter of time before they make it um, elsewhere. They're only a couple years old, and yet they, you know, they have their own society now. Um, they, yeah, just, just seem to crank out excellent beer after excellent beer. And I, I, I haven't had something even marginal from them. Everything's been great. Yeah, and meanwhile, Ballast Point is just focused on jamming more fruit into different variants of Sculpin. So <laughs> I, I definitely agree with you. I don't think Sculpin would have made the cut this year. That's not to disrespect that Sculpin is one of the pioneers of, of uh, it's one of the, I think the West Coast IPA styles that we, we, we know and love now. And people will keep saying that for the next 10 years as, <laughs> as we forget. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Aaron, anything else before we leave? I know I appreciate your, uh, you taking the time as always. Uh, I don't know. What do you got for me? I'm always up for anything. Do you have a speed round? Speed round. Yeah, we can. Uh... Best uh, best beer you think in an ACC town? Oh, best beer in an ACC town. Jeez, let me think quickly about that. There's not a lot of great ACC town beers. Okay, I, I would say Trillium Fort Point in Boston. Let's give BC something for once. Yeah, well, we'll 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 give Chestnut Hill Boston as an adjunct because Boston's in the name. Yeah, good enough. <laughs> That's good enough. Uh, yeah, you know what? There's a lot of great stuff. Um, there's a lot of great stuff down in Raleigh, and you know they're a place that I mean Asheville's become such a hub, and obviously uh, based on their performance of Wicked Weed, uh, it's clear why. Um, but it's I think Raleigh's got a real chance to you know use a bit more of a metropolitan status um, to to. Maybe not make the, the acclaimed beers, but they're making very good accessible beers. And they're only getting better and better at it. Um, I was down there in November, saw NC State run over Syracuse and ultimately get Scotch Afer fired, <laughs> so I will thank the Wolfpack for that. Um, but uh, the one thing I did notice was just when I first started going down there, my parents live uh, like two and a half hours southeast in the middle of nowhere. Um, the one thing that I was noticing at first was that they were making really basic beers out of the city, but it was like stuff that you could say, yeah, like it, it's good. I could drink it. Like it's, it's now they're now I feel like the Raleigh area is starting to, to try things. And like I had over a trophy brewing, um, they they had a vanilla shake IPA on, on draft. And like, that just sounds weird, but it honestly tasted like an absolutely delicious, like just hoppy vanilla shake. 
um, didn't taste overly sugary, like actually was like well-measured, balanced. And I think if you start seeing more stuff like that at a rally, like they're a place to really keep an eye on. Yeah, we could also cite um, Against the Grain in Louisville. I think they're doing some cool ah, stuff. Which, goddamn ban. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, they're, again, about 10% overrated. Their uh, their brewery is spectacular. I was I was there uh, last summer. It's literally in their minor league ballpark. Uh, uh, walking there from my hotel, I had to pass uh, the uh, Louisville basketball uh, court, the Yum Center. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. yeah. Gave it the finger. Moved on to it's a beautiful arena. Moved on to the uh, minor league stadium, which is on the same street. And where there's a fantastic uh, microbrewery against the grain, they're brewing beer there. They're making smoked meats. It's a it's a it's a cool joint. You can get drunk, go watch a minor league game, and you know, finish your night with some bourbon. Unfortunately, I didn't end up at against the grain when I was in Louisville. I went to. I ended up having uh, Bo and Luke in Chicago. Oddly enough. Um, but yeah, I ended up going to like a really, I don't know what the, you probably know it, this really acclaimed bourbon bar, Oh, probably like a mile from the Yum Center. Hey Market. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that place was great. Yeah. And they just had, K- they had KBS just sitting in the fridge too. So yeah, you should probably, you should probably you? drink bourbon in Louisville. They have a few good beer bars though. Um, then one final ACC city I'd mention Atlanta's got a great beer scene for Georgia Tech, uh. Probably their best brewery right now might be Orpheus, I would say. They're doing some cool wild ales and saisons, uh, a lot of canned stuff. They also have a brewery called uh, Creature Comforts, which I believe is there. Or is that in Athens? I might have screwed that one up. Yeah. I think, no, I think you're right. I think Creature Comforts is in Athens, Okay. I had to recall. All right, well, go to Orpheus then. So yeah. quickly naming it, those are probably the best uh, beer towns in the ACC at the moment. And Prison City, of course. Of course. All right, uh, I think that's I think that's all you guys can take. To be perfectly honest, I think that between the the article and the podcast, you guys you guys have been bearded out, which is fine. That's kind of what we aim to do here. Uh, that's what Aaron started doing on the site a few years ago, and kind of passed the baton in some ways to me, or I try to slip it in wherever possible, or as much as you guys will tolerate. I'd be surprised if anyone's still listening, John. I doubt they are. Okay. okay. Anyway. Uh, that was Aaron. I'm John. Uh, you've been listening to Troy News, an absolute podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe over on iTunes, on Blog Talk. And uh, yeah, go Orange this weekend. Go Orange. Go Orange. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.